The church has always taught that when we come to Mass, we're gathering with the angels and the saints. In one sense, we're, we're entering into heaven. It used to be when someone was baptized, whenever one was, or uh, the, the rites leading up to baptism, the family, the godparents would be outside the door of the church. And it wasn't until the person has, has um, been blessed in a particular way, I think it was when they were given the blessed salt, then they would be brought through the doors of the church. Or even some churches had the baptismal font right outside the doors or immediately right inside. And then when the person was baptized, they were brought then into the church, signifying that when, we, when we're baptized, we, we enter into heaven, we enter into life with God. And then every time after baptism, there's what's known as the baptismal font when we come into the church, we turn, we dip our hands into the baptismal font, holy water, reminding us of, of our own baptism, life entering into God's kingdom through our baptism. You may notice that a number of, of Catholic churches across, especially across Europe, but even here in the United States, even our own church, there's, there's statues around. And the reason why there are statues here of you know, St. Joseph, of the Blessed Mother, of St. Kateri Tekakwitha, is to remind us that when we come into Mass, when we come into the church, we're not just gathering alone, we're gathering with the angels and the saints. It's, it's nothing new in the church. It's always been, you know, this tradition. Our second reading today, the letter to the Hebrews, speaks just about that. Most scholars think that the letter to the Hebrews is, is a homily. It's, if you read it from front to, to back, it would be maybe hour, hour and a half, depending upon how quickly you read the length of a sermon at the, in the early church and for a number of years that followed. If you get a chance this week, read chapter 11. It began last week, and it, can, it finished, and then today we hear the beginning of chapter 12. Last week's reading spoke about these, all these characters from Abraham to Isaac, Jacob, others that weren't mentioned in the reading but are written in, in chapter 11, from Noah, Enoch, Samson, Samuel, all these others. And then, listen to this. This is the point I'm making here. As soon as it's gone through all these characters who had faith, it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now imagine, imagine someone giving this homily in the early church, and they're reading this, and they say, since we are surrounded, this is in the context of the Mass, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the, the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. It's, it's rather amazing because if you're one of the early Christians, those who are teaching you, those who are preaching, are the ones who saw Jesus face to face walk on this earth. And they're saying, when we gather together, for the Holy Eucharist, for the breaking of the bread was, was their term. We're gathered, we're surrounded by a cloud of great witnesses. In the 600s, even a little bit before that, there was a group of Christians who denied that we should have statues and, and icons within our churches. They said, our, all these images we need to get rid of. It was called the iconoclasm heresy. 
the church condemned it rather quickly and said, no, we can have, we can have images within our churches. I may have told this story before, but I want to tell it again to make the point. When I was down in San Antonio studying Spanish for four weeks, I happened to go to a synagogue, or it's a Catholic church now, but it was a synagogue. When the, the Catholic church bought the synagogue, they were redoing some of the, the work, especially in the sanctuary area. And behind the center of the sanctuary, the, there was this mural on the wall that had been covered up at some point. This mural showed and explained our first reading. I don't know if you caught our first reading, Jeremiah being thrown into this pit. It's this image of Jeremiah being thrown in the well because the people didn't like him. They didn't, they didn't like him at all. So they threw him in this well, a cistern. It was dried out. But at some point, some of the people went to the king and said, Jeremiah's going to die. And then he allows uh, the Cushite to come and take him back out. The mirror on the wall there in the synagogue was of the Cushite. It was a black man. The Cushites were black, along with the three others, lifting Jeremiah out. This is in the front of the synagogue, keep in mind. And these aren't Christians. These aren't Christians. They had this image. One of my godsons told me, he said, um, he's, he's a convert. I forget what he grew up with. As a, I think as a Baptist or maybe an Episcopalian. He said, as he was going through his conversion, he goes, Father, I just found some history of these synagogues there in Jerusalem that were built in about the first or second centuries. And in the synagogue, again, this isn't Christians. In the synagogue were these murals all across the walls. When you go to the temple, how, how God commanded Moses to build the temple, what is inside the temple? Up front in the Holy of Holies are four cherubim, four large angels, two that are right above the Ark of the Covenant, and then these two like 14-foot angels, cherubim, there in front. And then the walls of the, of the tabernacle, of the, of the tent, were covered with angels and pomegranates and all these, these beautiful things. When King Solomon built the temple, then outside he had all kinds from animals to all these creatures. Because the Jews understood that when they came to worship God, they were not coming alone. But they were coming with their guardian angels. They were coming with all those that all these creatures, these invisible creatures that God created, who would sometimes appear to them. You think of, you know, Gabriel appearing to Mary. You think of some of the other angels appearing to Abraham and so forth. The Jews realized they weren't gathering alone. And when Christianity was established, when Jesus established the church, all those Jewish converts to Christianity recognized that when they gathered at the breaking of the bread, when they gathered at the Holy Eucharist, they were not coming alone. But they were coming with not just the angels, which the Jews clearly professed, but they were coming with all the prophets of old, all the Old Testament characters from Moses to Elijah, etc. And they were gathering. Therefore, the one who was giving this homily says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us. What ended up happening, so I mentioned about in the 6 or 500s, this iconoclasm heresy, it, it sort of disappeared for a time. 
But right about the time of the Protestant Reformation, it came about again. To the fact that most Protestants today are affected by it, this iconoclasm, where you come into a church, you can't have any statues, you can't have any images of, of um, you know, the saints, the angels. If you go across Europe, particularly Germany, to, to a number of Lutheran churches, you will find Lutheran churches with statues in and images. But what ended up happening as the United States was established, it was very much moved by, uh, by, the, um, by the Puritan movement. And what ended up happening is U.S. Protestantism hates statues and images. If someone hears that you're a Catholic, one of the first things they're going to attack you on is, why do you, got stat why do you worship statues? But that's, that's very much U.S. Protestantism. It's not, I mean, it's, it's present a bit in Europe, but, but not, not as much as here. It's because in, in getting rid of the Catholic Church, one breaks from this tradition of the Jews, this tradition of, of the church, which is the recognition that we're never alone, that we're always gathered with the angels and saints, especially when we come to Mass. But even as we walk out those doors, we all believe this. You know, we have guardian angels. We have, there are those spirits that God created to protect us. They're not human beings. Though at the same time, certain human beings, you know, the angels and saints who pray for us can come and help us as well. But they're not, the angels and saints aren't our, are the, the saints are not our guardian angels. They're just our older brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is exciting, guys. When you think about this, like right now, if you look around us in the church, all we see are each other. But gathered with us are the angels and saints. We even say we believe that. In the creed we say, I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, etc., etc., and of things visible and invisible. That we believe that there's an invisible world that we can't see. Even someone who is an atheist believes that to some extent. You think of gravity. Who has ever seen gravity? Scientists can't even, you know, they know it's there. Gravity, can't see it. It's invisible. But there's another type of gravity which is stronger than any gravity that you and I have experienced in this physical world. It's the gravity of God. The God pulls us to him. He tugs at our hearts. He pulls our hearts towards him. We all have experienced this at some point or another. Hopefully all of you are experiencing it now as I'm, as I'm saying these words. This pull from God to draw close to him recognizing that he's not coming to destroy us. He's not coming to condemn us, but he wants to fill us with care, with joy, with peace. Yet, we also realize that when we join ourselves to God, when we say yes to him, when we follow the commandments, when we follow what, what Jesus has told us, we recognize that every now and then there are going to be people in our own families, friends, neighbors, who are going to begin to hate us 
because we're not living according to the world. And that's when we make a choice. Do I love my brother, my mom, my dad, my, my sister, my in-laws more than I love God? Or do I put God first? That's why in our, in our gospel reading, Jesus says, you know, do you think that I've come to establish peace on the earth? No. Division. That's what he means by that. When you have people who are utterly following, putting God first in their lives, forgiving, even when it's hard, um, choosing to love those who are hurting one, living that all out, and yet someone says, get out of my life. I don't want you coming to my door anymore. And then we recognize, my goal is not this earth. My goal is heaven. One day, I want to be in, in heaven where I can visibly see what's taking place, where I can see the great cloud of witnesses, where I can see St. Joseph not as a statue, but as a real human being. I can see our Blessed Mother Jesus' mom as a real human being. I can meet St. Kateri Tekakwitha. And she can tell me her story. That is what we long for. That is what we hope for. That is, that is where we gather, but now in invisible form. And today we worship God just as heaven is. And today with all the angels and saints, we sing those great words of the angels, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. We come to the supper of the Lamb, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. That's what's happening at Mass. That's the Mass. It's better than anything we've ever done this past week. This doesn't pass away. The stuff during the week does. Let's pray for the grace to enter heaven.